that, you know, it's like how kids talk about baseball players. That's how we talk about albums. We're just trying to postpone mortality. They need that to fill some kind of void that they have. The search for the Yeti. He's a duck. <laughs> well, don't interfucking rough. Our eyes are glued on a Valium gloomy day. It's the Smashing Pumpcast. I'm Frank. And today we're going to be covering James Eha's second solo album, Look to the Sky. Pat is still out taking care of family business, but stepping in as my co-host, please welcome to the Pumpcast, David Jepson. David. Hey, Frank, and hi to all the listeners. It's great to be here today. Thank you so much for joining us. And David, give us your history with the Pumpkins and especially with this album, Look to the Sky. Yeah, sure. So it's probably a pretty familiar tale to some of your other listeners and perhaps yourself, Frank. Um, It was 1995 is where the journey sort of started for me. Uh, I was 12 years old. I had absolutely no interest in music whatsoever. I was very much into sport and Star Wars was about it. Um, And then I was walking down down the corridor in our house and I heard 1979 on the radio and it was just like a, a bolt of electricity just went through me. I was like, what is this? I absolutely have to know more about this music and this band and of course mid 90s you know they were the the biggest band in the world they were pretty ubiquitous so i'd heard of them but didn't know much about the music and yeah i raced out i bought melancholy um on cassette because we didn't have a cd player and was just so captivated by uh by the songwriting by the imagery and just even you know the look of the band they were just they just looked so so amazing to me and yeah from there it just got into my soul uh, and i was absolutely hooked for life um, so that's my kind of, you know, short history of the Smashing Pumpkins and me. And I will say, um, perhaps similar again to your journey, Frank, probably fell out of the Pumpkins a little bit, maybe post, post Zeitgeist, uh, strayed from the order a little bit, but kind of, you know, have, have come back in the last couple of years. And a lot of thanks to that is through the Smashing Pumpcast, discovering that and learning about all these different, uh, releases and different songs that have, have come out since. Um, and one of those, of course, being this album. In listening to the Pumpcast, I realized that there was so much music that I'd missed out on and I had to go out and of course buy it. So I picked up Look to the Sky, uh, a secondhand copy uh, about a year ago and really was was pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed the album. Uh, I was a big fan of uh, Let It Come Down. I remember getting that because uh, of course that was in the, in the absolute heyday. I really enjoyed the album and I've always just been like a massive fan of James. And I will say, I will try to be objective in my reviews of this album, but I am just <laughs> such a fan of James's entire vibe. I love everything. Same. Yeah, I just, I love it so much. So yeah, I've got, got a lot of good things to say, hopefully uh, about this album. And yeah, I've really been enjoying the last couple of months, just prepping for today's episode, um, getting across all the songs and all the little, yeah, all the little, nuggets that are in there as well so yeah that's probably it that's great i mean i this one flew under my radar during the time i don't know what i think maybe the release i think i might have seen the video and was like uh for to who knows where and i was like oh that's cool and then i just kind of forgot about it because it was a weird release a little bit it wasn't as you know it wasn't as in your face as say like some of the pumpkin stuff at the time i guess like like, i guess tear garden would be at around this time yeah where it was like very public that they're releasing these things. And even that I had a hard time, uh, you know, keeping track of. But around that time, I remember seeing James at a show. I, I believe it was Webster Hall. And he was at the bar there. 
and I, I just couldn't, it was a girls against boys show and I couldn't like uh, work up the courage to go up to see him. And funny enough, Pat and I got to go backstage after the Hollywood Bowl show and he was there with his family and his family had left, but he was there kind of saying hello to people there. And we just were like, Pat was like, should we say something to him? I was like, no, I don't think we should. Cause it's just, yeah. he doesn't seem like somebody who would probably react um, well to, Hey, we're a, po- we're a podcast and we cover smashing pumpkins. We love you. Uh, <laughs> Cause I don't know how that interaction would go. Yeah. So we're like, let's just, let's just leave him alone. Um, but I, I, I've been such a huge fan of James and I, uh, I, this flew under my radar and because we were doing this episode, uh, we reached out to a lot of our Patreon members since Pat had to, has to miss a big chunk of these episodes that we wanted to do. And I wanted to get people who were passionate about these albums to talk about. And you had picked look to the sky and it gave me an opportunity to actually sit down and listen to it, even though we covered let it come down i still wasn't as familiar with look to the sky and for the last month covering or trying to prepare for this episode it really blew me away like it it is a really fantastic hidden gem i think it really builds upon the best parts of let it come down yeah and really fleshes it out it really i was impressed and i was angry that i didn't see them live during this time and then also that I didn't pay more attention then but to be honest maybe I I probably wouldn't have appreciated it as much during that time so I think it found me at the right time honestly because I could really appreciate the production the layering and we'll get into that uh stuff in a minute here but yeah if if you want to check out there is a music video for to who knows where that you can find on YouTube and I believe there was was it Speed of Sound too had a video, but yeah, that one's a little right. harder to find. Yeah, yeah. So just some history here for Look to the Sky. For those of you who don't know, Look to the Sky is the second solo album from James Eha. It was released on March 14th, 2012 in Japan with a worldwide release in September 2012. The album has many collaborations, including Karen O and Nick Zinner from the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, Sarah Quinn from Tegan and Sarah, Nathan Larson from Shudder to Think, Nina Pearson from The Cardigans, Tom Verlaine from Television, and Mike Garson, who we're very familiar with if you're a pumpkinhead. Of course, from David Bowie's band and from uh, the Adore era and on. We actually saw Mike Garson play at the Hollywood Bowl, and it was great. There is one interview. It's kind of hard to find interviews with James because he is a hard person to interview. On Spotify, there is a commentary version of this album where it has like a track by track breakdown where he talks about each song. Even that doesn't really give too much. He's very guarded. He's very short when he answers these questions. He doesn't really provide too many details, but if you want to check that out, you can go on Spotify and find that. Um, Or you might be able to find it on iTunes. I didn't really look. But there is an interview on YouTube. If you look up Face Culture and James Eha, there's an interview that was done around this time when he was playing a show in Europe. I'm not sure exactly where. Uh, And there's some little tidbits here and there, mostly in part three where he gets to talk a little bit more about this album and his time in new york 
And they asked him, why did the album come out in Japan first? And he explains that the album came out first in Japan because it took longer to get a deal in the United States. So in that same interview on Face Culture, and I'm paraphrasing here, he said about the album title, at the risk of sounding like a hippie, if you look at the sky and you realize how small you are on the planet and how big the world is and how dramatic it can be, I like that idea. So that's where the title Look to the Sky came from. And uh, it says here that, oh, also, as always, thanks to spcodex.wiki and spfc.org, without you, we'd have no information. <laughs> It'd make our job a lot harder. And Frank, those face culture interviews, because I, I watched all three of those as well. And one of the things I actually really enjoyed about um, coming on the episode today was the research component, because it was difficult to find things so when you actually found something about this album it was like gold so to find this three-part interview that was kind of sketchy like the production is terrible and i don't know james's whole vibe i absolutely love it but it must drive an interviewer crazy because every question this poor interviewer asks james will just kind of nonchalantly say back oh i didn't really think about it like that or that wasn't really <laughs> what i was going for um and that's james's whole um whole vibe it's very difficult to bring a lot of information out. But one thing that did come out really clearly in that interview that I found fascinating was the fact that James almost seems, I don't know, like he's got this amazing songwriting ability, brought all the co-star, uh, you know, all the uh, co-contributors together uh, to work on this amazing music. But then yeah. when it was talked about the actual release and he was like, oh, you know, it'll be in six months or it'll be in a year, he almost seemed to... Um, not even have the, you know, it didn't sort of have that drive to kind of get it out, which I thought was very kind of, you know, maybe typical of, of creative types make all this stuff. And then, uh, we'll get it out. We get it out when we, when, when we get to it, basically, I'm not, I'm not in a rush and I didn't have a label driving me. So I thought that was just a, such an interesting contrast to maybe, to maybe Billy and the pumpkins that probably, you know, Billy really was that driving force to, to get the content out. Whereas James is a lot more kind of laid back about it. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll make this amazing record and it'll come out when, you know, all the pieces fit together. I, I, I see James and his creative output. I wish he would release something new uh, recently, but I, I see his creative output as, because he has been doing film scores, but like, like a drip in a faucet while Billy is just a constant faucet just going off. He just has yeah. just constantly writing stuff. He's uh, incredibly prolific, but like any artist, some artists work with that space and then others just can't help but just create, 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 create. And I like that dynamic between those two because even with the Melancholy era, some of those songs that made it onto The Airplane Flies High or with Let It Come Down were kind of done after the fact of those sessions. And so it kind of was like, yeah, he worked at his own pace and even those were great, but I think it, it benefited him to take the time with this album because you can really hear it. It yeah. doesn't sound rushed. Everything feels like it's very thought out. And while I like Let It Come Down, it feels a lot scrappier. And of course he said this many times that the album was a reaction to the big stadium rock and roll fuzz pedals electric guitars of the pumpkins and he had enough time of separation with that to be like no this is what i like i want to actually do this again i want to make this electric yeah. i want to get a little bit weirder i want to put in electronic elements that i like and i think that he really mixes it 
in a tasteful way. The, the production on this is really fantastic. And it helps to have your own studio, which was which this was made in Stratosphere Studios in New York, so. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, when you have your own studio and you can work on your own time, it definitely helps out a lot. There was another interview, Frank, uh, Music Radar, which I found where James talked about, you know, kind of being the front man, being the driving force behind the music. And um, the question was asked to him, do songs come easily to you? I get the feeling that they don't. And James's reply was, writing music comes easily, but but writing and finishing stuff for my solo thing, where I'm going to sing on it, that just takes forever. It's much easier for me just to be the guitar player and play for other people. For whatever reason, when I do my solo stuff, I get in so deeply that it takes way too long. Which I thought was an interesting, yeah. interesting tidbit. That's his creative process. Yeah, some people just work slower than others. And it's not even slower, Just that's just the process of it. Yeah. And especially when you have something comfortable, like at that time he was playing guitar for a perfect circle, you know, he's a hired gun. He's making money, he's comfortable, you know, he doesn't really have to prove anything. Yeah. He's, yeah. He was in one of the biggest bands of the world, then touring with another big band. It's like... Yeah, exactly. And I think it was, I think it might have been in that Face Culture interview, they asked him, are you, are you the nicest guy in rock on account of all the <laughs> collaborations that he does? And James, just, his reply was just classic. He just says... I'm just a working musician in New York, like totally downplays, um, you know, his status and his amazing ab abilities. So I just love that everything is so understated with James. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, it's really impressive. I mean, he must be good to work with or at least people like him enough that because that's such a really impressive roster of friends that he brought on. Yeah, especially with somebody like Adam Schlesinger. I know they, they go way back with Scratchy Records and Fountains of Wayne and all that. Yeah. Uh, the late Adam Schlesinger, uh, who, whose loss was super huge to me because I was such a big fan of his and his song arrangements. And a, a friend of mine worked with him very closely on her TV show. And it he, he was such a incredibly kind and talented person. And I feel like he probably wouldn't be hanging around James if, <laughs> you know, he was a complete asshole. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And that, um, you know, the, the loss of Adam is kind of felt on the song that he collaborates directly with on this um, track. And, it, and in researching for the album, it sent me down a, a rabbit hole into, um, oh gosh, what was his band with um, the drummer from Cheap Trick and Hanson? Oh, uh, Tinted Windows? Tinted Windows, yeah. So listening to some of their music uh, with James as well. It was um, it was kind of a fun detour to get um, yeah to check that out and it reminded me the cheap trick connection reminded me of if you've ever listened to uh, the live at the Riviera I think it's the melon maybe it's the, one of the first melancholy shows of the Pumpkins and they had cheap trick um, play come on at the end and they did a couple of songs and that's the that's the concert where the power goes out after a couple of songs I recently found that tape uh, when I went back home. I, I found the cassette tape that I used to tape it off of the the radio. Yeah. It doesn't work anymore because it's just 
just completely decimated because I listened to it so much. Yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool recording. I love to just say, oh, it's pumpkin luck. It's pumpkin luck. <laughs> yeah, <right> exactly. <laughs> well, you know, Darcy, it's been a long year of uh, recording the album, and this was bound to happen. Right. <laughs> like... Pumpkin luck. Yeah. Uh, what do you say we get into the album? Yeah, absolutely. All right. The first track off of Look to the Sky is Make Believe. featuring Nina Pearson from The Cardigans. James said on Face Culture, a little vignette of characters in a movie, two people sort of chasing something or coming towards each other. It's like a scene from a movie in my mind. David, what are your thoughts on Make Believe? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, the quote about it's like a you know something out of a movie because maybe it's listening to all of the 33 podcasts and the movie concept. I kind of contextualize this album I don't know, it just seems to me to fit like it could be this kind of cool indie romance movie because it's got, yeah, it's just got that that feel to it. But I I think it's a really good first track. I love the fact that it's a real, it's a bit of a nod to let it come down because it's, you you kind of start listening, you're like, okay, this is kind of that dreamy acoustic vibe, really like it. But then after a little while, you hear a few uh, electronic sort of flourishes and you think, well, hang on a minute. I didn't hear a lot of that on Let It Come Down. So it's <laughs> yeah. so it really... And then the vocals, um, the backup vocals with Nina come in that are just so beautiful. And you think, wow, this is this is something more. This is this is a little bit more than maybe we got on Let It Come Down. So, so I'm intrigued. I thought it was a really nice way to start the album. It feels like a matured songwriter for sure who really knows about like composition and what they want from the song. Because he's always been good about building... Yeah. On a song, like most of his songs in the Melancholy Era or in Let It Come Down always had that like slow start and then ramp up big ending. And he's yeah. really good at writing those types of songs. And I agree. I just already with a subtle vibraphone and keyboard, what I assume is a Moog, a Mog uh, keyboard in the background. But the way that they mix all these sounds in this album is really tasteful. Nothing is overpowering. Everything plays its part to like add to the elements and layers yeah. of the song. And Nina's vocals are really great. I'm I'm a Cardigans fan. I know a lot of people are like gross, loveful, what a terrible song because it was just crammed down our throats in the 90s. But they're a really great band. Uh, the album that came out after it, Gran Turismo, is one of my favorites. It's a really weird kind of electronic response like negative response to loveful they're like you think we're loveful well here's the opposite yeah, side of it yeah. where it talks how much love sucks
And then the albums that came out after that were really great too. I think they're an underrated band. Yeah, I remember the Cardigans because they had a song on SingStar. If you ever played that on PlayStation, <laughs> they had oh, right. um, yeah. they had my favorite game. I remember thinking, yeah. wow, this is different from Loveful. It's kind of like a cool rocker. <laughs> so yeah, definitely yeah. worth exploring the, the back catalog of the Cardigans. Yeah, very talented. Even her solo albums are really great too. But I, this album, I actually, in this song too, I get a little hint of like Beach Boys flavor, yeah. like Pet Sounds ish. Uh, composition and sounds especially with like the chimes and the vibraphone and all those layers in it and uh, you definitely can see what he's talking about like you said about the romantic movie scene almost like the notebook they're running to to each other in the rain you know in the middle of a field (laughs) totally yeah I love these like the little blips and bloops at the end and the, the lyrics, you rush in with stars in your hair, you cast your spell and float through the air. Amaze me, I've been asleep for too long. I try to catch a glimpse, I've waited so long. So that's a very longing. You know, yeah. James is a real softy with love. He is really, uh, you wouldn't, he's so like known as being sardonic, but like all, all of these songs are so like, um, I don't want to say poetic, but it's it's all about love and like wanting yeah. and needing. Yeah, it's really interesting. And that's part of that. It is so enigmatic because you have this guy who plays these amazing rock songs, who's also so dry and, as you say, sardonic in his interviews. And then his song, like, like the songs that he writes and his lyrics, are so soulful and and so yeah. There's so much longing and love in them. It's just it's such an int- It's it's the interesting James dynamic of it all and on his actually on his um on his lyrics because there was in a lot i read a lot of reviews of this album and let it come down as well and some people would often take aim at at the lyrics or the in, of the songs um but i just don't get that i don't understand i i read the lyrics and i think they're really earnest and really yeah. poetic and beautiful for whatever reasons um it doesn't seem to agree with some some people but i don't know if you've ever tried to write a song which i have it is so hard. I, I don't think I couldn't write a song um, for a million bucks. I don't think it is so difficult. <laughs> so I take my hat off to anyone that can string a few words together um, and come up with a song. But for James to do this, I, I think his lyrics are, are earnest and, and beautiful. And yeah, so to anyone who's knocking James's lyrics, uh, back off. I reckon. <laughs> I think. I mean, for me, I, I like that dynamic because we know the public persona of him, and he's so guarded. But then in his music, he is so earnest. So it's a really interesting juxtaposition. Yeah. Yeah, overall, I think this is a good start to the album. Kind of sets you up for what you can expect for the rest of it. Uh, any yeah. final thoughts on Make Believe? Yeah, just I love I love the build. I love how the strings come in at the end. It's just, yeah, it really is. It is teeing you up. This is going to be something big. So, yeah, really enjoyed it. It's a good song.
right, the next song up is To Who Knows Where. where with Kevin March on drums, Sarah Quinn and Neil Casal on vocals, the album's lead single, though it did not receive a proper release on its own. James on Face Culture said, it's an atmospheric rock track, lyrically like maybe finding the perfect moment, great perfect moments in your life, but knowing they're just here for a short while and they go away. So it's appreciating, but also kind of maybe feeling a little sad about that. David, what are your thoughts on this song? Yeah, it's a really, it's a really strong song. Uh, I actually found the the intro was a bit reminiscent of Eye of the Morning. Just something about the way it builds into the guitars um, coming in. like the sound of the guitars um in this song and i think he said uh he was using fernandez guitars to get that kind of like sustain or ebo sound um so i went on a deep dive of like fernandez guitars and found yeah they're quite an interesting guitar that you just like flick a switch and it becomes it functions like an ebo which is a which is cool so i have to try to have to try to find a fernandez guitar somewhere but yeah really (laughs) i really love how the guitars sound uh, sound on this song I think it's so funny that James described it as an atmospheric rock track because that's so, like, I guess it's accurate, but it's also so so broad and understated. Um, it's it's an amazing song that's got lots of um, lots of, of ebbs and flows, and I really like uh, the video is quite interesting. You mentioned it at the top of the show, but um, it's an homage to the man who fell to earth with David Bowie. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's interesting to put it in that in that context as well, and. It just feeds into maybe the broader themes of the album, which is about you know your space in the in the galaxy in the cosmos, and there's also yeah. that love story. There's a bit of love story within uh, both the Bowie movie, but also uh, the film the film clip as well for this. I find it interesting that that's the theme of the video because Scott Weiland, when he released his solo album in the late '90s, he did a video that was very much a nod to the man who fell to earth almost like stealing each of the shots from the movie so it's kind of interesting that both of them use it for their solo album as inspiration um yeah i i to kind of parrot what you said i i really i'm such a sucker for this guitar sound like you put this guitar sound on any song i'm already invested and already yeah you know i'm just i can't help it i just love that production that sound and production and when James leans into that sound, it's always great. Even with like a song like The Boy, where there's a little bit of that kind of new new wave um, 
shoegazy kind of cure sound. It yeah. really, I, I love it when he does that. It's already, you could tell with this single, it's already richer than Let It Come Down. And this kind of has Be Strong Now vibes in the chorus that I'm not as into as the rest of the song. But I like I like it overall, and I like the little bridge deviation that close my eyes part. I like turns like that, and it kind of reminds me of another band that sort of has a Billy association, mostly through Courtney Love, which is called Blinker the Star. I don't know if you've ever heard of that band. But there are elements of that where it kind of does like these key changes or does these weird kind of melodic changes a lot in Blinker the Star's song. So it kind of reminded me a little bit of of, of a song like that. Um, the guitar sound, uh, you're right. I'm as soon as I hear the guitar come through on this, I'm like, oh my god, I'm I'm into this. I love it. But I also <laughs> love I, I love James's whole um, kind of mindset around guitars as well. I think in an interview uh, about the album, he spoke about how he's got oh I've got you know I've got vintage Fenders and Gibsons, um, but you know what? I don't really care. I'll just pick up whatever and and play it. And I would I would give anything to be such a prolific musician that. It didn't matter what guitar I picked up, it sounded incredible. Because uh, he talks about, you know, some of the tracks, they just used like a Squire bass on it, which is yeah. just kind of like entry level basic. But James's view is, oh, if, it's, if it sounds good, if it works to the songs, you know, for the betterment of the song, then it doesn't matter if it's a Squire, or if it's a Fender, or if it's a Fernandez or whatever. Yeah. I, I love that he's, he's, he's doesn't, doesn't matter what guitar you give him, he's going to be able to get something out of it and yeah that's a kind of a kind of a guitar mentality that a lot of other great um performers have as well that you know if it's a like jack white and his famous sort of pawn shop um guitars oh yeah that's always impressive when somebody can take something from a pawn shop or it says a lot about the musician where no matter what they have they can still sound great yeah i do the opposite i have good guitars and i sound like garbage (laughs) So, well, because sometimes you can get something that's like way too expensive and just not right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you yeah. can buy like a $500 sweater and it feels like shit, but then you buy a $10 yeah. sweater from Walmart and all of a sudden it's the most comfortable thing ever. So, you know. Yeah, definitely. Well, that was the thing about, you know, the the, um, the ja- Fender Jaguars and, um, you know, once Kurt Cobain started using them and the Jazzmasters and whatever. You know, they became popular because of who was using them because of the songs they were on. So, yeah, it's funny because I've I won a Jack Daniels guitar in a competition, and it's like an entry level PV guitar. So it's I like look and think, oh man, this isn't that great. But you put that thing in drop C, and it just growls. It sounds incredible. So <laughs> yeah, you know, don't always judge the guitar by the uh, you know by the price tag, by the liquor brand. That, that's uh, yeah or the look so it's un- <laughs> so it's unfortunate it's a jack daniels guitar but you know it's all right it's it's, it's all right there's way worse you know yeah <laughs> it could be a sea breeze guitar or something yeah 
right. So, any last thoughts on to who knows where? Great song. Check out the video, everyone, if you haven't already. It's it's funny. It's good. All right. Our next track up is Gemini. There's no reason. There's no why. Just this moment. Just this instant. Gemini featuring Kevin March on drums. We don't really have much facts for this one. So, David, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think it's one of the standout tracks on the album. I really enjoyed Gemini. Um, the kind of the vocal intro at the start, I don't know, like, just because it's the the court, the art, the ah, I can't sing, but you get the idea. It just, it just like took, it took me back to Bleeding the Orchid, you know, the chorus of Billy's. Yeah. It's just like a bit of a nod to that. I thought it was interesting. Um, James's falsetto through this song uh, is is really beautiful. I think it's a great um, vocal performance that he does in the song. I thought it was interesting that there is the just the lyric. I hear music from another time, and the present seems to disappear. I did. It did kind of make me think. I wonder if I wonder if Jay, if that's a nod to you know music from another time. Is it his past in the Pumpkins? Yeah. Um, I thought I, I thought it was interesting. And I guess the last thing I'd say is the hear a little bit of that distortion come in about the two minute mark and I'm like hello and you're right I, I think he does lean into his strengths a lot more in this album like he's a killer guitar player and he loves pedals and he's and they sound great so to hear him lean into it um in this track is really fantastic and it just fits the song so nicely yeah i I think this is where the album starts to really come alive i think uh there's a good stretch of songs from here on that really hooked me in and especially this one i'm like okay i'm really into this album because i love that cool acoustic start it almost kind of reminded me of this other band called failure uh, they kind of do like acoustic-y sounds like this whenever they do play acoustic is very heavily uh, pro- not processed, but they have effects on it and stuff and it always sounds really cool. But then it burst into like a cool like big star power pop sound, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I think I really, this is where I start to hear a little bit of maybe Schlesinger's influence. Like he's been hanging yeah. around Schlesinger a lot and then he kind of picked up some of those cool pop cues from him and it kind of inspired him i don't know if that's true or not but that's what i hear yeah and yeah, sure. the vocal layering uh it's even got some of that pumpkin flair to it because james vocal james vocals i think he gets criticized a lot because he he's not the strongest vocalist but he's not the strongest singer but there are certain songs that it fits so well in and i think this right here this song gemini is like right in his wheelhouse where his vocals just fit in perfect with the music and there's no like 
being like, ah, he's not really hitting these notes, or you could tell he's like straining a little bit. There's none of that. It just all feels so comfortable within his style and his capabilities. Yeah, I think the vocal, uh, it's interesting to explore that for a minute because I listened, having listened to this album many, many times, and then I went back to uh, Let It Come Down. And I did notice that there was probably a little bit more vocal range on display and let it come down. I thought, um, and that's not a, not a criticism of Look to the Sky. It's just, yeah, it's just something to note. It's a little bit different. But I agree with you 100% about James's vocals. Um, he has a specific set of strengths that works so beautifully on some songs. And Take Me Down just jumps to my mind because it's one of my favorite songs yeah. of, all, like of all time. I think it's beautiful. And his 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 voice on that song it's just like a match made in heaven and, and you mentioned the boy as well like his his kind yeah his sort of his understated voice um, that's so kind of soothing and soulful it just fits some songs so incredibly and it does on this track as well yeah i mean i love he, like i said he's so great good also with the build the way that the song builds and the way that each each time there's a new layer a new layer i love that i'm always a sucker for that and yeah. yeah, you mentioned the lyrics like, yeah, I, I hear music from another time and that could mean so many different things either because I feel like a lot of the themes of this album, which he talked about in the last song about that perfect moment in time, we're trying to preserve it, but then it won't last forever. And there's a lot of that sentiment that goes on of like that nostalgia or that longing to feel that that moment that feels perfect. Yeah. And you definitely get it with this song and that that line i hear music from another time kind of makes me feel like when i heard the pumpkins you know uh, like what that made me feel like or how i associate it with people or people i love or any of that stuff it's it's such a simple but profound lyric i think yeah absolutely yeah because even when he goes to the part of in your eyes gemini drift asleep and it goes into that solo or lead part is really yeah. cool as well. I think the solos and leads in this album are pretty restrained, but tasteful. It's so funny you say that because I've got a dot point here in my notes to say nice, simple solo slash tasteful. Um, so I got, yeah. the t- I got the tasteful, tasteful vibe as well. Uh, whatever that, <laughs> whatever that means, but it's, but it's true. Like solos don't need to be just ripping up a pentatonic scale you know at, at yeah. 180 bpms as long as it it just has to fit serve the song and this song is a classic example of it doesn't need to be a super complicated or long solo you just have a nice little flourish um and he and he plays it beautifully i think it's a really nice solo and we know he can shred it up too yeah. because he's capable or getting like kind of weird and wild but one thing that we do here that is of his time in the pumpkins or signature james sound is that ebo sound yeah at the end of the song we get that that signature james pumpkins ebo sound yeah which i love definitely The next song is Speed of Love. In the night, there's danger in the air. Caution's in the wind, but me, I don't care. When you tell, I'll be gone for you. Don't know what you are and what you could do. But I'm traveling at the speed of love. Sooner or later, I'll be crashing. But I don't know what I'm thinking of. 
Speed of Love with Nicholas Frisk on guitars, Adam Schlesinger on bass, Alex Flesick on drums, and Neil Cassell on vocals. And Speed of Love is a single from the album. It was first issued as a digital download and then on 7-inch vinyl with 500 copies pressed, Moon River served as the B-side, which is a cover from the 1961 film Breakfast at Tiffany's. The Seattle Post Intelligencer called, <laughs> I said, I pronounced that out, Intelligencer, uh, called the track the successor to the pretty and delicate Let It Come Down acoustic pop rock track Sound of Love. Only this one has a dance heavy beat and an effects laced electric guitar solo. An official music video was released with the song, but is no longer available for streaming on YouTube. It can still be found at some streaming sites, such as Daily Motion. Also, listeners, apologize, I'm getting over a cold, so uh, my voice may come in and out. Anyway, Speed of Love. David, what do you think? It's a great pop song. It really is. Um, you can tell that I think it's um, you know Adam's influence um, on that. Uh, it's a... It's a really good song. I love the guitar sound. Um, someone described it as a crystal-like sound in the um, in the bridge, and, I th- and for whatever reason, that description kind of works because it's yeah, it really cuts through um, the mix, and it's cool. It gets it gets stuck in your head. It's a it's a great track. Um, again, what strikes me is how many friends James has because he seems to have different different musicians on every track playing different instruments. I think I wish I had as many friends as James. Um, <laughs> he must have a good time Start on your book. own band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but look, it's a, it's a it, look. It's a super cool pop song, and I wish I could see. I wish I could see the, the film clip for it. But yeah, it's hard hard to track down. Yeah, I, I tried looking, and um, it'll be one of those things that watch when this episode comes out. It'll be super easy to find, and people are like, yeah. "What are you talking about?" It always happens to us. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so Speed of, uh, of Love, I wrote down, I was like, oh, this is very Fountains of Wayne-ish because, of course, Adam's influence on this. Yeah. And it's got that 80s power pop flair to it. It just, like, is undeniable. Um, it almost has, like, a little bit of a, a uh, is it What a Feeling from Flashdance? Yeah. <laughs> it kind of has a little yeah, bit of yeah. that feel to it. And this is, James has this urgency and commitment in the song that almost is rare in some of his songs. Yeah. This song in particular just feels like he's right in the pocket. Yeah, absolutely. Like you can tell he's really enjoying this and he's really giving it his all. Not not his all and like belting it out, but you can just tell like there's something about the urgency in his voice that sounds so invested. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you're right. You can you can hear it clearly in the song. And, you know, it's interesting when I... When I first heard this song the first couple of times i'm sure i've heard it in my life before but i cannot think why it's like it's familiar yeah. there's a there's a familiarity about it 
because um, I was, and I'm still trying to work out if it's possible that I crossed paths with the songs before in some way. Uh, but it was it was familiar, and maybe that's just because it's a good song. Yeah, because it's got a very again Schlesinger. Adam Schlesinger was just so good at writing perfect pop songs that you're like, I know I've heard this before. Yeah, but it's only because it's so good and catchy that it feels like it's been around forever. Yeah, like he could have written it in the '60s, he could have written it in the '80s. You know, and he wrote it in the in the aughts. You know, he was just such a brilliant musician. I'm just going to keep talking about yeah. how great Adam was because yeah. I really dug what he did. Yeah, definitely. I think the the point about the the solo or the lead work on the track again, like with that really great crystal sounding guitar, but all, but just again, the solos complement the song so nicely. It, it's it's short, it's sweet, uh, but it just fits in so perfectly. That that's something that you're talking about the chorus. What I love about that too is a if you listen carefully, you can hear that synth subtly matching the acoustic, and it gives it that crystal sound. And I yeah. love that. I yeah. love that layering. It's so cool. I wrote down that this one sounds like a beefed up Let It Come Down track. There's obvious DNA and structure and, shout and sound that James has, but this kind of has like a slightly different phrasing from to who knows where. There's definitely a DNA you can pinpoint for James's music. That's not saying it sounds like it, but he does have a style. He mentioned in um, that interview about the fact that a lot of his collaborators, you know, they, they brought so many good ideas to the table, brought different things. And what I wouldn't give to just be a fly oh, yeah. to hear you know, to hear the people, to hear them talk about, oh, you know, just to, to work through this song and introduce those different elements. Because I kind of love to see that side of James as the as the songwriter, the collaborator, the producer, yeah. just yeah, the collaborator, just to hear because he's he's such a laid back guy. You think he'd he'd just go along with anything, but you know, he's obviously got a lot of songwriting prowess, and you just love to see it in action. So maybe one day, seeing excited James would be something interesting. Yeah. I was just going to mention it's not doesn't relate to the song at all. So it's probably the wrong time to bring it up. But I loved how um, in these interviews he was asked, "Oh, James, so why did it take you 14 years to release your next um, solo record?" And in one of the interviews he says, "I've just been dancing." And in another one he says, "I became a race car driver." <laughs> yeah, I just love it. I love his dry sense of humor. Like especially on this tour, it was always such a pleasure to see Billy and him banter back and forth. But especially when he had to kill time. He's just got such a great, dry sense of humor. I love it. Yes, we're traveling at the speed of All right, so our next track up is Till Next Tuesday. Till next Tuesday with Nina Pearson on vocals, Andreas Madison 
on vocals and strings, Tom Verlaine on guitars, Nicholas Frisk on guitars, Jeff Sanoff on bass, Sanoff, I'm probably mispronouncing all these, Kevin March on drums, and Neil Cassell on vocals. This song in particular is from James's side project, Vanessa and the O's. Funnily enough, it charted number eight in the Hot 100 in Japan. So, David, your thoughts? Yeah, again, it's another, it's a really good pop song. I think it probably amps up the sugar um, with this one. So, maybe I'm biased on this one because I, I must have had some, like, anxiety-induced insomnia one night, and I just had this song looping around in my head. It's definitely an earworm. It definitely oh, yeah. got stuck in my head for, like, a, a good few weeks. Um, I do enjoy it. It's probably not one of my favorite tracks on the album, because it's it is very it it like is very sugary sweet, but I do think um, like it's a it's a hallmark of a good song if it gets stuck in your head. Mm-hmm. So I like it. I like the um, there's a lyric at some uh, at one point where it says hotel bars backbeat pulsing now, and that's just a, for whatever reason it's like it's got the same lyrics from um, from the Ramones pulsating to the backbeat in Blitz Green Bob. So that, I don't know, that was stuck in my head. Um, and just as a side note, I, of course, inflict all my music on my children. So I play them a lot of the remains. Yeah. So they always refer to that song as, as the backseat song. Um, but anyway, so I just thought that was an interesting. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's deliberate that he's got backbeat pulsing now because it's like a bit of a nod to the Ramones. Um, and I also like the other lyric, um, when it's not supposed to be, I lapse into apathy, yeah. which is a very James kind of sentiment. And I did, you know, sort of along the lines of what we were talking about before, that sense of James being, I don't know, he'll let be, he'll let it be whatever's happening. Um, and that might have led to some of the conflicts that, that he had with the Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. I don't know, I'm probably reading way too much into it, but I just thought, you know, when it's not supposed to be, I lapse into apathy, whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I thought it was a, a, an interesting... Yeah, an interesting maybe snippet of James, um, yeah, of his mentality. I thought this this kind of reminded me of Jealousy on Let It Come Down. Not necessarily the, the sound, but the fact that it was like the most outwardly um, pop song on the, on the record, I thought. So, yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but um, it's not so good when it's three o'clock in the morning and it's bouncing around in your head. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of earworm. On the volume, day. I like the whimsical chimes in this. Uh, this also feels like a song that was influenced uh, by Adam Schlesinger, and I I love it. Uh, And those lyrics, too. This one does feel like more representative of the James that we know of his public persona, as opposed to that being surprised by, like, the lovelorn James. Uh, Those strings and synths are fun. I like the chord change. I think it's a chord change. I like how that happens. And I like the arrangement. It's just, like, good a good pop song. I I really dig it. And he, he does, at the beginning of the song... 
He has kind of a strange phrasing on the word suicidal. This screams into suicidal minds in love. Which it, it, he kind of draws it out a little bit too much in the phrasing, which is really interesting. And he kind of does this another interesting phrasing. You could tell he's um, uh, developing as a singer because he's doing more interesting things on this album i think because we'll get to a song later where i was like oh that's interesting that he's choosing this vocal style yeah uh, any final thoughts yeah I, I enjoyed again sound like a broken record but the solo uh, works really well in the song and i enjoyed the um like the electric drums kind of come into it um, yeah in the back half of the song and i think it's very much to the song's betterment it, it just it works nicely that like you said the arrangement's really good absolutely I like it. Fun and poppy. The next song up is Summer Days. Summer Days. Uh, I don't really have info on this one. So, David, what are your thoughts on Summer Days? Ah, uh, this this for me is right in like the James wheelhouse for me because I'm an absolute sucker for a kind of sad acoustic song that has that just you know talks about something like talking about summer days. Like what's like it's so amazing, but it's such a sad sounding song and just the themes of you know summer days just wasting away. Um, so I really, I really enjoyed this one, and I think with James's music, sometimes if it gets you in the right mood when you're feeling a little bit, maybe a bit whimsical, um, to to use a phrase you used before, um, it can just really, um, yeah, it can really hit you. So I, I found that with this song, it's um, it's definitely a change of pace on the album, but I like that it, you know, we've had some really good kind of poppy songs have come, and then you get this. Uh, more mellow acoustic track that is a bit of a hark back to let it come down and I think it works uh, I think it works really really well um, I think it's I think the lyrics are quite powerful again the theme of summer days wasting away uh, yeah and again just a sucker for a sad acoustic song about a happy thing <laughs> yeah it's so relatable which is strange to think of from James because of how guarded he is again he's just got these lyrics that feel like i know what he's talking about i felt that before it's interesting i there's a great australian duo um angus and julia stone if you've um if you've heard their music one of their albums called down the way has just got like wall-to-wall acoustic sad sounding positive song and i it's i had uh, a work trip sorry to like uh. you know go on a tangent but i had this work trip and i I'd been away from my kids for a while, so I was like feeling pretty, pretty rattled, and um, that album just destroyed me on the plane ride home. I'm just weeping. Oh no! I'm weeping, listening to these songs because, <laughs> like, sometimes, the, sometimes the, the kind of subtle 
uh, mellow acoustic track, it could just destroy you at the, oh, at the yeah. right time. So, yeah. So I enjoyed this song for this one, but it is, yeah, it's, a, it's almost like a, maybe a palate cleanser from um, the previous songs on the album. It sets it up for the back half of the record. Like I said, this is a string of songs that are really good. In my opinion, this like middle half is just a really solid part of the album. And with this song especially, I keep talking about the production, but the production is so good on this song because it incorporates acoustic but with technology like the drum machine with the live drums too is very it, it works in tandem so well and the chimes are great it's got a catchy chorus i don't know it even has an 80s type pop you know fade out we get a we get a fade out yeah, on this song yeah, which i thought was yeah. really interesting i, I love that yeah, it gets definitely. a fade out because it kind of fits with it um but yeah mixing that warmness of a, of a live band with the electronic elements it's just done so well yeah yeah great track yeah any final thoughts on summer days uh listen to it if you want to feel i don't want to say feel sad but if you're in a if you're a contemplative mood and you want to think about summer's lost as a child maybe but uh yeah it's a really nice song Our next track up is Appetite. A gift for Gap. Oh, what a drag. It perched high in a gilded cage. Appetite with Tom Verlaine on guitars, Mike Garson on piano, Kelly Pratt, and John Natchez on horns and woodwinds. David, what are your thoughts on Appetite? Wow, is all I can say. It's the first time I listened to the album. Appetite was the song that made the biggest impact because it is, it's pretty out there. It's pretty out there. I, I really like, and James, in talking about the album, he said he really wanted to make something that was different from. Uh, let it come down that was musically different that had different ideas and this to me is like off the charts in terms of a divergence from from let it come down um there's a lot happening in the song it's very it's very different i mean if we were to continue the mo the movie analogy i think this is the scene where our protagonist goes on some kind of bender and completely unravels their life um because the song is it's pretty it's pretty chaotic but i but i like it i think um I think Mike Garson brings a lot to the song with his with his work on the on the piano on the um, on the keyboards. I think it's 
I, I think it's it's a lot to take in. Um, I don't know that it that it fully lands as a song, as a like a cohesive, but but it's it's a really interesting um, divergence on this album where it's like, hang on, we've gone into some different sort of territory. But I, but you know, I enjoy it. I enjoy when everything sort of comes back in at the end, and there's there's so much going on. It's it's chaos, but I love it. Yeah, I. Well, first of all, this is almost beat for beat the same beat and song as "Nightclubbing" by Iggy Pop. I don't know if you've ever heard that song nightclubbing but it's been sampled a lot it was sampled by trent reznor for nine inch nails uh sneaker pimp said sampled it as well I, I, when it started, I was like, oh, is this a cover of Nightclubbing? And I was like, no, it's called Appetite. But then once, because it has that feel to it, and also like Diamond Dogs era Bowie, which fits that Mike Garson would be on it. And I, I wrote down, this is Sleazy James. Yeah. I, I, we yeah. get Sleazy Sexy James. And I, I love that. I had just never heard this side of James before. So I Definitely. was digging it. I was digging it. And then like Mike Garson, again, um, an acquired taste for his jazz piano playing you know he, he improvises a lot and i know a lot of people think it's a bit chaotic but i dug it you know it's the same thing that like where people are like so adamant that they hate hooray from autumn and i get that i yeah. get it but i love the swing of it i love like the fact that they're taking that kind of chance to do something yeah, that definitely. weird and I, I i enjoyed that that to me feels like an artist stretching their legs and being like i don't know if this is gonna work but it's in me i gotta get it out here yeah. it is and i i appreciate that so much and this song just has this feel to it that's just really cool and i it's so chaotic and at any point you think it's just gonna completely fall off the the rails yeah unravel <laughs> yeah 100 percent. my feeling is the same I, I love the fact that they kind of just went for it yeah but it's almost like they were in a jam session and thought let's just go with this and see where it takes us and we'll put it on the album. I read a review that said that they really didn't like this song because they said it took them out of the album, but I think it kind of needed it. Yeah. Because Let It Come Down had the problem of where it can be a little samey, and this album doesn't really have that problem, but it does run into the possibility of it getting a little samey. And I think having this as like a good palate cleanser to kind of be like, whoa, what yeah, is this? Definitely. It's just such an interesting track, and I love that he put it on here. And the organ with the horns, too. It's just so cool. And the, the lyrics on this. Uh, a dramedy filled with endless scenes, lots of stage lights, and an appetite. If no one cares, go on a tear. 
You stomp your feet until they can't ignore a bitter cup. Fill it up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, and the way that the piano warbles at the end, it just oh, kind of yeah. leaves you feeling like you did have a bender one night. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of like, what exactly. the fuck just happened? Yeah. I know. For some reason, the the yeah the last bit of the song with the piano sort of taking it out. I don't know why, but it just sound it sounded like the music that you'd hear at the end of a like a '90s sitcom in the credits. Uh, yeah. And it just got me thinking of like a James and Mike sitcom as two up and coming <laughs> artists trying to make it in New York as the odd couple. Um, I would I watch have, that. I would 100% watch that. But yeah, I can't agree anymore. I think it's I think it's a. I really like that they put this on the album because if you've not listened to it, you will get to Appetite and you will think, what was that? Um, <laughs> but in such a, it'd be on a, probably on a vinyl, like it would be a good track to be the last song to just kind of blow your mind before you get into the next side of the album. So I, I'm really glad that they, that they kept it on. I feel like it could have been a really great soundtrack track, you know, like if they yeah. didn't put it on the album, if he just kind of threw it onto a soundtrack of something, people would be like, whoa, what is that's James Eha? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I think they'd yeah. be surprised. They'd be like, "This is cool." Yeah, um, sleazy, sleazy James in a jazz bar at three a.m. You know, offering exactly. you something in the corner. It's great. Any final thoughts? My only question is: We had a lot of keyboard. Where was Ignofo? I know. Hey, what's up? Oh, don't make me do it. Don't make me do the voice <laughs> when I got a cold. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got gossip, but you couldn't get me. Oh, James, baby, come on. Hey, here's the bills. I'm just gonna slide them under the door. Come on, let me in the studio. <laughs> Uh, ooh, I definitely need water after that. All right, so the next track up is Dream Tonight. Waves crash overhead, you're falling deeper in, waiting till morning comes, and everything within you begins. To breathe, tell me please, burn too bright. You're drifting out of sight. Dream tonight with Sarah Quinn, as you know from Tegan and Sarah on vocals. Uh, Josh Latanzi on guitar, harmony vocals. Nick Zinner on guitar from the AAS, Kelly Pratt and John Natchez on horns and woodwinds, Maxim Mostyn on violins, and Julia Kent on cello. Dream Tonight. David, what are your thoughts on this song? really like this track. I've written down Beautiful Dreamy Acoustic, and that could probably cover a lot of songs um, in James's <laughs> back catalogue, but but this one, it, it it's, so, it's so slick, the whole production. Everything comes together so well. The arrangement is gorgeous. I love all of the the strings in the backgrounds. They serve the song so well, and it is it is one of my favorite tracks on the album. For me, this is the other song I was talking about, the vocal phrasing. It's really interesting what he's doing vocally in this that feels almost like Bob Dylan-esque or folkish because yeah. he he does this push-pull singing style within the meter of the song and it's like it, it, it it's almost on the edge of being too late or too early yeah and it's just yeah. such an interesting vocal choice that I really dug because I was like oh that's him 
take another again taking another chance that he probably normally wouldn't take because he's so straightforward with his vocals so i really appreciated that kind of vocal styling in this song don't know which way to go don't know where you've been you got close to the sun and everything begins to spin around you Looking back on yesteryear, you see every steeple pine, every loss and every hope, every thought magnified, and you, you need. I, I respect it. I think it's got beautiful strings and orchestra. And this album, this is the part of the album where it started to remind me of Dennis Wilson's solo album. I don't know if you uh, from the Beach Boys. He has a solo album that came out in the late 60s, early 70s, but it is phenomenal. And it's such a hidden gem. And it kind of finally got uh, re-recognized a couple of years back, maybe five years ago. They repressed it on vinyl and it is absolutely, it's such a weird, cool kind of hidden gem that uh that that this song kind of reminded me of it started giving yeah. me that vibes where i looked at the album as a whole being like oh this kind of reminds me of the dennis wilson album So yeah. if you haven't heard that, check it out because it's got some really good stuff. Getting lots of ideas here to go on another um, sort of Spotify deep dive. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know Sarah Quinn's vocals work so well within yeah. this. I think their their voices complement each other. There's something about James's voice, you know, whether it be Nina Gordon or Nina Pearson or you know Sarah here, it, it just something about his voice just works so well with the female dynamic. It does. Yeah. yeah. Must be something about that low, the low register of James just just compliments so nicely because it because it absolutely does in this song. I love that. I don't know if it's like a pan flute or what it is, but that comes <laughs> yeah. in at some point, and it's just like wow, that is that is so perfect. That sounds that sounds incredible. So yeah, yeah. the arrangement is it just fits the song so perfectly. Any uh, final thoughts on this song? No, I just really just really enjoyed it. It's a really good. It it kind of, I don't know. Sorry, I said, you said did I have any more thoughts? I said no and I'm rambling. But I no, will please. say that if this is the if, if we could continue our movie analogy, this is like our protagonist realizing the error in their ways and they're on a path to, you know, to conquer their demons. Yeah. Just get that sense of there's a, there's a sense of optimism and and hope with this song. It's almost like yeah, cuz they they in the part of the movie in the hero's journey where things are not working out for them and they're they're feeling the effects of the actions that happened before and they're yeah. they're in their, their darkest moment and then this is kind of pulling them out of that darkest moment which kind of fits with the theme if you think about it which leads into our next song which is new year's day Sun comes up again. 
wasted years left behind. New Year's Day with Nina Pearson on vocals, and it appeared only on the U.S. international release of the album. David, what are your thoughts on New Year's Day? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that it wasn't on the Japanese version um, of the album for whatever reason. Actually, the Japanese version has a slightly different uh, order listing. of songs, which yeah, a different track listing, which is worth which is worth checking out. But yeah, the actual song, I, th- I thought the start of the song had an interesting feel to it. It almost like if you took it out of context, it almost would work in like a corporate sort of like a commercial or an ad. Set. <laughs> it's just the way it starts. I can picture it being on an ad for a, for um, Audi or a or a tech brand or something which is probably completely at odds with the intent of the song but the start right. of it is it's it's different it's very polished um i actually think the song builds really really nicely um and all of the elements come together um the sort of crescendos nicely in the back half of the song and yeah it's a cool song yeah it, it does feel like a bit of um i wrote down teenage love nostalgia yeah especially with the lyrics of like we're tumbling through a fairground ride you know uh, I think those are the lyrics. The lyrics weren't listed on SP Codex, um, so I'm kind of just going off of what I heard. But the the idea of New Year's Day and just being with somebody that you're kind of hopelessly in love with and you're just having fun that 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 feeling that yeah. new the re, the the rebirth. You know, it's a new year, a restart. Yeah, absolutely. And it, 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 you definitely get that feeling from it because it's funny that you said about that. It sounds like almost like a. A commercial song because at first I wrote down um, that it feels like Springsteen meets Dire Straits meets Fountain of Fountains of Wayne. Yeah, yeah, because it has that. that kind of pop element to it. I think you summed it up really well, like the sort of the whimsical teenage romance. Um, oh yeah, it just it just it's the perfect vibe for that song. And that's such a I know in in movie terms. Uh, I know the director Shane Black always used uh, always likes using Christmas in his action movies because he likes the idea of like the end of the year and people kind of finding their redemption and you know forgiveness yeah. and mankind coming together because of the holidays and New Year's Eve especially or uh, New Year's Day is that feeling of okay New Year new start and especially yeah. with if yeah. you're with somebody you love you're you're thinking ahead of like what are the possibilities that lay ahead of us? Will we still feel this way or will this love go away? Yeah. 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 It's interesting that he picks like, cause there's new year's day and there's uh, another track that we'll get to, which is 4th of July. It's interesting that he picks the, that he uses these holidays kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Holidays and important dates in the calendar as a ref. Yeah. As, as titles and a reference point for his songs. But yeah. Maybe he almost started to do a theme album of holidays and then, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotta, I'd buy it. Yeah. Christmas James. Hell yeah. Um, it's uh, on my sort of YouTube rabbit holing for this album. I, there was a, a video which was um, James Eha being iconic for 10 minutes. Um, you should definitely check that out because it's just random like snippets of James interviews where he's just, oh wow, he's doing very much James things. I think there's actually two parts to it. So everyone, if you're into James, check out James Eha being iconic. Well, we'd like to make an open challenge to Siegfried and Roy tonight saying, we've got a better show than you. Um, it reminds me that, was it the Halloween? Um, the Pumpkins put out some videos from their Halloween show, and Jay- I forget what James was dressed as, but his his costume oh, yeah. was like his 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 was the most out there. And I'm like, it's a so mummy, James. right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He was the mummy. It was like it's brilliant. <laughs> um, great. Any final thoughts on this song? Enjoyed it. Me too. 
Our next track is Waves. Karen O from the Yeah Yeah Yeahs on vocals. David, what are your thoughts on Waves? Yeah, this is a this one is different and it's quite interesting. It it hooks you in because the the kind of this very very slow build up and there's such a it's like a really breathy kind of urgent uh, urgency um, through the song and and with the vocals and um, it's kind of like a good track to listen to on a late night bus ride in the rain was kind of my sense because it's, yeah. it is, it is very slow, but then the build comes in. I think it's, it's like, well, it's like maybe past a two and a half minute mark where the song really opens up. Um, and you get the, you get the drum beat, um, and the synths in the background, which I think it, it's a, it's a kind of delayed gratification because you have to go through two minutes of like the slow song. Maybe it goes a fraction too long. I, I wish it opened up a bit earlier because it's such a good right. payoff. If you can, if you can get, um, if you stick with the track, because yeah, it does take a while to get there. But I, yeah, I, I think it's well worth it. It's an interesting, um, I guess, composition of the song, um, but it, but it works. Yeah, again, I think this is James kind of stretching his legs and doing something interesting with what he can do with music that we haven't heard before, and. Karen O is like the perfect person to guest on this song. Yeah, yeah, because definitely. Because it really fits, like both of their vocals really fit. And this feels like a Karen O solo song, or it feels like a later era Yeah, Yeah, Yeah song Yeah, to me. And I, I agree that I kind of wanted it to reach a little bit more of that buildup sooner. And I thought this is another song that fades out but what when we got there i was like no i want more of this i want yeah i was I want, the same Keep let it go because it's starting to build and really get, getting momentum yeah. and i really was like oh i want to hear more i want you can go bigger it can go to another yeah. place and we know that karen o can really belt it out too and definitely it, it, i feel like i wrote <laughs> i wrote it kind of edged me a little bit but uh yeah because i really dig this song and i i just felt like it could have been longer you know, yeah, on yeah, hundred percent, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once it once it's opened up, um, you're like, yeah, this could this could go on for a lot longer. So yeah, yeah I guess it's a they give you a they give you the reward, and um, it just makes you maybe appreciate it even more because you know it's so brief. Yeah, because once those pulsing synths come in, you're just like excited because you're like, here we yeah, go, here we definitely. go, and then like uh, this song kind of has like the bittersweet side of love as opposed to the kind of 
hopeful, optimistic side of love uh, because the, the, the lyrics are really interesting. Tonight I feel so alone. Tonight I wandered far from home and the moon plays tricks on me, guides me safely, lights wash over me. And there's another part of it that says, uh, you act so carefree, pure fantasy, but you're bad company. Mm. So it's just like, it feels like it's very bittersweet, you know, him realizing yeah. that maybe he's in a situation where this isn't the love that he thought he was, yeah. that he wanted yeah. maybe, or that is good for him. The synth production on this is really, again, we're going to say this a lot, tasteful. It works very well. Tasteful. I love the layers of it. Uh, but yeah, any any final thoughts on this song? Just, yeah, wish it went for a, a minute, a minute or two longer. Yeah, that build is just so such a good payoff that yeah, I wanted more of that that just keep building and building. next track is a string of words of words with kevin march on drums maxim mostin on violins julia kent on cello and tim burns on trumpet i think i'm saying that right burns burns uh apologies if i'm getting that wrong a string of words david what are your thoughts on a string of words so this is my favorite song on the album um for sure the first yeah. time i heard it it just struck a real chord with me i think it's very much in the vein of um like like take me down um, or some of his some of his um, pumpkins work to me it's it everything all the elements come together so beautifully and it, it got the balance right on um, all all the instrumentation and everything the phrasing and the vocals especially at the start there's something so haunting and urgent in the way James sings it even though it's it's um, it's almost a bit quiet uh, it's in that low register but it, it just really hit me and what struck me about this song as well is a reminder of how james has um he's such an artist and such a such a great musician but his real gift is picking the most kind of beautiful and haunting chords to go together that really convey so much emotion yeah um and you know with something like take me down those the chords that he picks are stunning 
and it's similar with uh, in a string of words. You hear them quite clearly. Um, he plays plays the way he plays the chord, um, and there yeah, there's just there's this this sadness, and and it sort of haunts you through the song, um, and also just the lyrics, the idea of the the secret you. It's just so evocative, and um, yeah, it it's one that is my is probably my favorite, and will you know I'll add it to my kind of top pumpkins and associated. Um, yeah. acts sort of song list because it is it's a stunning track it's a great track and i think it's a, a fantastic closer and i feel like because if you listen to this album on spotify and i think maybe if you buy it on itunes it goes on with the extra tracks yeah with fourth of july and dark star and i feel like it kind of dilutes the power of because they're definitely bonus tracks we'll get to those in a minute but i feel like this is such a good track and I'm a sucker for like again the Beach Boys like chimes and orchestra. Again, the production on this is so good; it's wonderful. I, I I I love the lyrics. If you find a melody, a string of words that can't be seen, they bring you down, tear you down, drifting through the lost and found, disappear into the air, into thin air. And that I think that that phrasing too of uh, "bring you down" almost kind of reminded me of. Uh, take me down uh, yeah, for melancholy yeah. but it i th- i thought it was a really good closer for the proper album and it, again i just can't praise enough of like what they do with the production because it just works so well together with all these elements and especially with those chimes and the orchestra i think it's a really good send-off for the album and the the solo slash just the lead part at um, towards the end I think James probably only plays like six notes yeah but it works so incredibly well and again like we were talking about before solos don't need to be these long complex things with a hundred notes that goes on for a minute it can be six notes over like 15 seconds but just the, the way um, the way that they sound together is just haunting and fits the fits the whole vibe of the song um, to a T Any final thoughts on a string of words? Yeah, it's a, it's just this album is a hidden gem, and this is a hidden gem within it. Uh, yeah. I think because you know sometimes the last the last uh, you know track on an out like the what's meant to be the last song, yeah, you never quite know what you're gonna get, but this one <laughs> yeah. um, is 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 gold. I really really like it. Well, that's the end of the proper album, but we're going to talk about some bonus tracks here, too. Uh, So let's talk about Fourth of July. Early morning, faraway dreams Feel like running, you want to scream No sound Stars light up the sky on the floor. 
4th of July with Kevin March on drums, Arjun Adrawala on vocals, John Graboff on pedal steel, and Maxim Mostyn on violins, and Julia Kent on cello. I know I butchered those names, but please forgive me. So, David, what are your thoughts on 4th of July? It's a real nod to let it come down. It's even got that kind of, it's got that country twang um, to it. It's a, it's a really nice mellow acoustic song. And again, just that vibe of, you know, he's talking about the 4th of July, which I live in Australia, so 4th of July um, isn't as big a thing for us. Uh, but I understand it's a very, very big moment um, on the calendar in America. So we're talking about this very happy occasion, but there's this kind of, you know, he's built a kind of mellow um, song around it. And I like that contrast um, and the lyrics sparks light up the sky on the on the 4th of july but just the way he delivers it um a bit melancholy dare i say right <laughs> um but yeah it's a it's a it would be at home on um on let it come down and it's interesting that it's a that it wasn't on the album itself that it that it was added as a bonus track but i i, I like it it's a good song yeah, I like it. I could see why it's a bonus track, though, but it like for the position of it, it does feel like it maybe dilutes the power of the last song just a little yeah. bit because it does. I think it, it is a proper bonus track. And you're right. It does feel like it's um, it would fit right at home on Let It Come Down. And he even says, I'll follow you down. Again, he's kind of like using that imagery yeah. again. He, yeah. There must there must be mean something in his mind of like that analogy. Um, but yeah, I also think this has some really interesting lyrics. Why well, I didn't, I wasn't blown away by the the music itself. I thought that some of the lyrics were really great. It's kind of evocative. Empty houses, empty rooms, falling backwards. It feels like home too soon. Early morning, faraway dreams. You feel like running. You want to scream. No sound. Hold your breath. I'll follow you down. While I, I didn't quite connect with the music, I thought that those lyrics were pretty evocative. I don't know what it means, yeah. but it's, I, I'm starting to get visuals, especially with the idea of 4th of July and my association with 4th of July and looking at those lyrics and hearing those lyrics. I'm, I'm kind of getting a visual with, what he, with the picture he's painting, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, um, it reminds me of uh, in To Forgive where Billy sings, you know, empty party afternoons. Oh, yeah. That lyric is always like, that is like in my DNA now. It's me too. stuck with me forever. There's something so um, kind of powerfully sad about, you know, a happy occasion, but a sense of emptiness. So yeah. there's a bit of a sense of that in this song. Um, just to pick up on your point before about the track listing and how it kind of diminishes a string of words to an extent on the japanese release fourth of july was the second to last song so it came before string of words so that's interesting maybe james um yeah was undecided about where it best worked yeah i wonder what the the reasoning was behind i know uh, on some japanese releases they always have the bonus tracks on japanese releases but uh Occasionally with European releases and uh, Canadian releases, even then sometimes they're, they're, the track listing is different. So I don't know what who's yeah. making those decisions, if it's the artist or if it's the label or what. But I could see this being second to last. That, that feels like it would fit there. Yeah, definitely. Sky. 
All right. Well, let's move on to another bonus track by the name of Dark Star. Hours are slowing. The air is warming, diffused beneath the paper moon. You spend a Dark Star with John Graboff on pedal steel. It's back. Uh, so, David, what are your thoughts on Dark Star? I've written down indie space acoustic dream pop because uh, that was the, <laughs> the the string of words, dare I say, that um, came to mind and listened to this song. I really, the thing that I absolutely love about this song, the I don't even know how you describe them, but the electronic sounds that you hear throughout the song, the little flourishes, the little treatments. I don't know if you yeah. call it that, but they, they're kind of like a very science fiction-y sounding beeps and boops and whatnot, but they're woven into the song so nicely. It complements it so well. Um, and again, the lyrics, there's lots of talk about, um, about the theme of falling. Uh, that comes yeah. up a lot. It's the first you know, lyric in the song, can't stop falling. Uh, my seams are showing through. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really nice song and the those electronic elements are you know particularly on a headphone listen they just it's i wish i had that vision to be able to think you know what a well-placed kind of sci-fi sounding beep would work really well with this track um, <laughs> yeah so like yeah how do you even stumble upon that or do you already have it in your head or is it just experiment you know you're experimenting in the studio yeah i agree because that arrangement reminds me of something and i can't put my finger on it I kept trying to like sing the tune and like hum the the lyrics because I was like, this reminds me of something. I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but yeah, that plinky sound progression was really cool. Yeah. And I wrote down again a bit of Beach Boys or Fountains of Wayne. And I liked the light delay and chorus on his voice in the second verse, along with the tambourine and the shaker. Mm. I'll be sailing around your sun. And we get that signature Eha Ebo again. And I'm yeah. a sucker for it. I, I'm always going to yeah, love absolutely. it. And uh, I wanted a little bit more of an explosive ending. It's a little too subtle at the end, but yeah, I feel like I, I really like this song, but I felt like it needed a little bit more of a bombastic ending. Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, I understand that. I think that's probably true on a couple of tracks. When you listen to the whole thing wall to wall, some of the songs do end. Yeah. They, they kind of just fade out where maybe the song deserves something as you say a bit more yeah. bombastic and this one is definitely one that it kind of ends you're like oh okay i thought it might have had something else in there but yeah lee's <laughs> just yeah. wanting more i suppose and james's uh I, I falsetto like the vocal 
it's I really love hearing him sing because it's 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 so um, it works in the song so beautifully. It's such a nice it's such a nice sound. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts on Dark Star? Uh, just the the imagery of Dark Star itself is also very. It's like there's this constant ju- juxtaposition between, you know, the light and the darkness. It's, it's yeah interesting. It's a theme throughout the whole the whole album. A beauty and horror. Yeah. Yeah. Dark Star The next track we're going to talk about is Diamond Eyes. By the way, tomorrow never came. The bluest sky. Diamond Eyes with Josh Latanzi on guitars and harmony vocals, John Graboff on pedal steel, Maxim Mostyn on violins, Julie Kent on cello. This song only appeared on the Japanese release of the album. David, what are your thoughts on Diamond Eyes? Yeah, so Diamond Eyes um, reminds me of Deftones' album. I know, I wrote down the same thing, yeah, the song Diamond Eyes, yeah. So it's uh, a slightly different vibe to Deftones' Diamond Eyes. A little. Uh, speaking of um, James's vocal, I really, I really enjoyed um, his vocal on this song. It's a little bit, it's a, it's a little bit different to maybe some of his other songs. Um, just the way he, it's kind of like a, yeah, it's kind of like a falsetto again. I, I like it. I can understand why maybe it didn't feature on the main, um, on the main album because there is a little bit of an element of sameness to some yeah. of the other tracks um but as a you know it's a it's a it's a nice song i have to li- i could only get it on get it off youtube was the only way i could find it like a bit of a rough recording of it yeah but, um yeah i i enjoyed i enjoyed the song um but yeah can un- can understand why maybe it, it's it's it, it kind of is a bit of a b-side yeah i agree with that i could see why he left it off of the album and I, but I do like the chorus. I think the chorus is nice. I like the little tinge of guitar, the chimes and the strings that add a cool layer towards the end. Um, it's a nice song with good layering and builds, but it definitely didn't wow me. Yeah. 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 Any final thoughts on that song? 
Um, check it out and see for yourself if you can find it. It's not the easiest thing. Um, YouTube is where I got it, and don't get confused with the Deftones. Or get confused with the Deftones song. <laughs> check pretty, that song out, yeah. That's, that's pretty good too. Another bonus track we're going to talk about is a track called Stay Lost. with Kevin March on drums. The song only appeared on the Japanese release of the album. David, what are your thoughts on Stay Lost? This is another track that I think I woke up and it was in my head because I I think I listened to it a number of times in a row the night before just to kind of get a feel for it. Um, so it definitely grew on me. Yeah. Um, it's a nice arrangement, like especially with the um, with the keyboards. Um, I think it's, a, it's similar um, maybe to Waves in that it takes a while to, to build up, but it's, yeah. it's worth the payoff. I kind of had this vision when I was listening to it that it'd be great to kind of hear it sped up, like the lyrics of the song and the um, the chords, but to hear it sped up maybe with some more distortion would be really rocking. Um, yeah. Yeah, it closes out really nicely. And I thought it's interesting that, um, you know, I'm reading way too much into it, but the fact that this song is called Stay Lost and then you think about the track Never Lost which came out a couple of years before <laughs> Side guys, it's almost like I'm reading it as like a reaction to, to never, never lost, and it's James saying, "No, I'm going to stay lost." Absolutely, <laughs> none of that would be true. I'm picturing yeah. Billy Corgan in my head as he talks to Kyle on 33. Exactly, saying, Kyle's getting absolutely Kyle. Absolutely incorrect. But I'm going to run with my um, completely off the mark interpretation of it, because yeah. in a sense, I reckon James. I get the sense that he could make this album, release it, and then if it disappeared off the earth and no one ever listened to it. I think he'd be like, eh, whatever, yeah. doesn't matter. Doesn't bother, doesn't bother me in the slightest. I think it's such a, um, you know, it's it's an interesting contrast and an interesting idea. I think it fits into the whole James aesthetic. Um, but yeah, nice, nice song, nice arrangement. Just wish it didn't take so long to build up and would love to see like, I don't know, a punk rock cover of it. I think it would work really well. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's so funny that you mentioned that about James probably not caring. It's like he, he does feel like a duck, you know, water going off its back, you know, just being like, all right, staying the course, whatever. He's a very, I think somebody pointed out in one of the comments that he's very much of a person that feels like he's only concerned about now as opposed to the past or the future. He's just yeah. really living in the moment and only cares about what's in front of him at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And you hear it, you hear it in any number of the interviews that he's given. 
around about this time where they talk about your time in the pumpkins and he kind of very um, nonchalantly will say, oh yeah, we were, you know, we had some good times. We had some good shows and albums. But, you know, that's in the past now. I haven't spoken to Billy in 10 years. Yeah, and that one interviewer is trying to get it out of him too to be like, aren't you sad about that? He's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I love, it's um, it's really fascinating. Because like, if I was in the you know the biggest band in the world and was a massive part of their success, I'd be like dining out on that for decades and decades to come. Whereas James, oh, yeah. it's like, he couldn't, you know, it doesn't bother him in the slightest if he never hears a song again or hear it referenced again so it's interesting yeah but the song itself i I definitely like it better than diamond eyes um the 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 beginning with the organ and the layered vocals and tambourine kind of gave me a spiritualized vibe i don't know if Mm. you're familiar with that that band it kind of gave me that vibe a little bit yeah yeah And then like the, again, the lyrics, like the longing lyrics I can identify with or anybody can kind of identify with, again, kind of going back to like youth and, and longing of how long will I wait for a sign? How long will I search and never find? Mm. You know what I mean? Like they can yeah. mean so many different things, whether it be uh, romance, whether it could be your purpose in life, just so many things that I feel like it's interesting to see how different people can interpret that. Yeah. Because it can mean yeah. so many things to so many people. And I like the swirling sense. I think, the again, the mix is great. It knows how much it needs and how much it doesn't. And also the other synths sound great, too. Uh, and I wrote down, I, I wish I could have seen them during play during this era. But, like, I, as a song itself, I think it's, it's, it's a better... It's a better arrangement than Diamond Eyes, and it feels a little bit more interesting than Diamond Eyes. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. It's a stronger song overall. that concludes our coverage of look to the sky overall thoughts david overall thoughts uh when i grow up i want to be i want to be james eha he's just like the <laughs> cool he's the coolest guy he's endlessly fascinating and enigmatic with like every aspect of um you know of his persona um i really enjoyed the album i think it's a it's a it's a, got a lot more elements and then maybe let it come down has i really enjoy let it come down but i think look to the sky takes it takes it up a notch it's i was pleasantly surprised with um the variation that james brought it it's like he he did make a a conscious decision to do something different from let it come down and all of the guests uh, the guest collaborators um and the production team they've they've made a really really 
good album that takes you on a few different journeys, but there's lots of familiar elements as well. Uh, and you got Appetite right in the middle just to kind of blow your head off and <laughs> make you think, make you question everything you've done in your life. So yeah, it's a great, great little album and I'm glad. Um, I, I probably wouldn't have, um, I probably would have over overlooked it if I hadn't found the pump car. So I'm glad that, you know, this hidden, hidden gem has come out of it and I've really enjoyed getting quite intimate with the record over the past six weeks since we teed up the time to chat so yeah it's been really great i'm i'm looking forward to having it you know keep spinning in my car as i drive around yeah this is gonna be one that i i revisit i was pleasantly surprised i liked let it come down uh but this is just a different it's on a different level i i think that there's so much more interesting things happening one production wise for sure um and then also just with all the guest musicians they have it just feels more mature it feels like somebody who's come into their true skills and what they're capable of and and then even experimenting just a little bit which i love uh so it's definitely going to be an album uh it's definitely going to be an album that i i listen to again and as I, I was telling you before we recorded here, I tried looking up the, the vinyl, the repressing, the blue one, and it's going for almost $200. Uh, but maybe one day I can find it for cheaper. But uh, definitely, I, I actually texted Pat and I was like, I know you're not covering this album, uh, but you got to take a listen to it because I know he would dig it a lot too. So if, if, you, if you're not familiar with this album and you love James Eha, definitely check it out because i think you're gonna be surprised and you're gonna fall in love with it it's it's a great album underrated yeah <laughs> yeah i guess that's what i just want to say i'm like i don't really know what else to say i i love james i love he's so cool and i think that this album is great and i i would hope that maybe one day i don't know we gotta wait 12 more years or whatever how many how long was it 16 years I or think, whatever i think yeah 12 or 14 years or something like that yeah yeah so Which maybe it, he's, he's almost due because it's uh it's been about 10 years since this album came out yeah or it's been over yeah. 10 years so hopefully in a couple of years we'll hear a, a new james solo album i would really i would really love to hear what billy thinks about let it come down and look to the sky i would love to get his take um on the like maybe it's a sore point to bring those things up because it was while they were kind of or at least looked to the sky while they were estranged but yeah yeah i'd love to get i would love to get his take on on the songs and um and and i would actually like even the songs that were part of the pumpkins catalog like the boy um and believe like would would love to kind of have heard those conversations um between the band about it to hear to hear james pitching the ideas of the songs and things so yeah. yeah, and I would. I just want to say, um, just a shout out to you, Frank, and also Pat, and all the other the guests on the show. Like, so much work goes into these episodes because you really you can't just kind of rock up on the day and have a chat. Like, a, it's a, a lot of work goes into it. A lot more <laughs> than um, you know, perhaps I appreciated before coming on to to do this episode because I've been like studying this for weeks and weeks. Oh, yeah. so it's a lot of work. So I take my hat off to you and Pat, and because um, yeah, heaps goes into it. So it's very much appreciated by us the listeners yeah well i we appreciate it we appreciate it so much um you know make it worth it and uh it's a lot of work but even then we get a lot of stuff wrong we know that but it's it's still like we never claim to be experts at this but we we love doing it we love the band and we love the projects associated with it and we wouldn't bother with the side projects but we feel like it's part of the whole 
you know story it's it's something that yeah, we want to cover and i think it's it's it would be great i doubt this will ever happen but it'd be great if he played one of these songs live at a pumpkin show but i i doubt it, it would be one of the ones that he had uh during the airplane flies yeah. high era which we keep harassing uh jeff and jack about which they're on board with and they're hara- they've been harassing james about it by playing the boy live <laughs> and i know he's sick of it yeah. but like uh hopefully that'll happen the next tour because uh we want to hear it let's hear the boy the boy is one of my favorite songs it's Love absolutely it. incredible so yeah let's hope let's hope that one gets off the ground well Thank you so much for listening to our episode of Look to the Sky. David, thank you, thank you, thank you for making the time to co-host with me. I really appreciate it. And especially with a, what, a 15, 16 hour time difference that we had to figure out. Yeah, yeah, we had to figure And we still got it wrong. We still, we still got, got it got wrong. It wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Daylight savings. It was my fault. We mucked. We, we got the time wrong, but uh, yeah. all good. We figured it out. So thank you so much for listening to the show and supporting the show. We have new merchandise up. If you go to our link tree at L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Smashing Pumpcast, cast spelled K-S-T, you can see some new designs that we just put up there done by the wonderful Fred Paints. He did a design that was influenced by The Aeroplane Flies High, And for the first time, we have hoodies available and stickers. So check that out. So, David, before we leave, where can people find you online if you want them to find you? Or do you have anything that you want to plug? Yeah, so I have a pretty uh, dull social media presence in that I don't really ever do anything. But you can find me. So DavyJ17 is my Instagram. um, And on Twitter, I am the diminutive rake. So you can find me there. Most of my tweets are about Australian sporting things that 99.9% of our listeners will have zero interest in. (laughs) But uh, you can find me there and shoot me a message. Always happy to talk pumpkins. Always happy to talk James Eha or anything else. Um, But yeah, otherwise, nothing nothing really to plug. I will mention a couple of good Australian bands that might be worth checking out um, if you're interested. Um, The Southern River Band, who I saw a couple of weeks ago with The Darkness, who came to Canberra back in October. And they were, yeah, they were really great. I'd not actually heard any of their stuff, but Southern River Band, check them out. So I'm in Canberra in Australia, which is like three hours south of uh, Sydney. Um, we are, even though we're the capital, we're kind of overlooked by most bands because we've only got 400,000 people. So we don't get the big bands. So anytime anyone of note comes, um, I'll check them out. Um, and also just a couple of other good Aussie bands, The Chats. Uh, and Amel and the Sniffers are worth checking out. Some good, um, some good kind of Aussie, like like punk slash pub rock with a bit of Aussie flavour. Worth checking out. Well, 
thank you so much again, David. It's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. And until next time, we bid you all a fond farewell and, and good night. night.